Hi, I'm Pastor Brad Inman, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that journey. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. Good morning, church. For those of you that I've not had an opportunity to meet, I am Adam Seat. I'm one of the pastors here at Orange, and I am thankful to have you join us for this time of worship today, whether you're in person or those that are joining us online. It has been a long time. And so thank you so much for being here today. I invite you now to join with me in the prayer for illumination as found printed in your bulletin, or the words will also be found upon the screen. Let us pray. Gracious God, as we turn to your word for us, may the Spirit of God rest upon us. Help us to be steadfast in our hearing, in our speaking, in our believing, and in our living. Amen. This morning, our gospel lesson, it comes to us from the gospel according to Mark, chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. I invite you to turn with me in your own Bible or in the Bible found there in the pew. It feels good to be able to say that. It can be found in the pew Bible on page number 51 in the New Testament section. Otherwise, the words will also be found upon the screen. Hear now these words. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early, on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, Who will roll the stone away for us from the entrance to the tomb? And when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back as they entered the tomb. They saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he's going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. And all that had been commanded them, they told briefly to those around Peter. And afterward, Jesus himself sent out through them from east to west the sacred and the imperishable proclamation of eternal salvation. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Church, as Pastor Corey said, we are terribly excited and nervous at the exact same time. My very first church uh, that I served as a pastor averaged about 19 people on a Sunday morning. And the idea of preparing for worship and having almost 50 present was overwhelming last night and preparing and thinking about this time together. 
And then I was so excited because for the first time in a year, not only am I able to worship with each one of you, but also my dad is able to be present to worship with us today. And so I'm so thankful that dad was able to come and to be a part of this time. And so all of this feels so good and also a little awkward. <laughs> Because for the past year, we have participated in worship in different kinds of ways. Uh, you might be accustomed to watching worship from home, sitting on the couch, having an extra cup of coffee. So I want to give you a little bit of grace. If you are used to such things or getting up and moving about, if you need to stand up and stretch, that's okay. We're all learning our way through this once again. And so thank you so much for being a part of this. And those that are worshiping from home, they can go ahead and grab that cup of coffee that we look forward to joining afterwards. Let us go to God once again for a time of prayer. Lord God Almighty, today as we enter into this house with thanksgiving in our hearts, we come today to celebrate the resurrection, and what that victory means for us. And so, Lord, we give thanks. And as we have heard your word read and now is to be proclaimed, we ask that you might pour out your Holy Spirit upon us, transforming the words that proceed from my mouth and as they fall upon our ears and penetrate our hearts, may they be changed into the word of God that we need to hear today as individuals and collectively as one body. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, amen. Binge watching TV may have been a thing before the pandemic, but during this time, this season, I can honestly say I don't think I've ever binge watched as many shows. Netflix, Amazon Prime, Hulu, Disney Plus, whatever your service is, maybe you've been started to watch a series. And as you get towards the end of that episode and it draws to a conclusion, it oftentimes leaves you eager and excited for what the next episode will bring. And if you're wondering what the next episode will bring, you only have to wait a few short seconds because the little icon will pop up on your screen. Next episode begins in three, two, one. And even if you had not intended to watch the very next episode, many times we get drawn in because we want to know the end of the story. We want to know what comes next. I think that's in our human nature. We want to know the rest of the story. In fact, I think it's easy how we oftentimes will go ahead and try to write the next part of the story. We'll try to figure out, not just in TV shows of what's coming up next, but we do it in life. We write the end of the story long before the end even comes. We hear about someone receiving a diagnosis of some sort, and we write the end of that story. Or we fill in the blanks for them by saying that my nephew's great uncle had that same diagnosis, and we tell them the rest of that story. It's in our human nature to want to go ahead and write the rest of that story. It's who we are. I think it's a way of us taking control. It's us naming and claiming a future 
that we anticipate, that we expect. It's our way of feeling like we have some kind of power or control. Last Easter was 357 days ago, and it seems like so much longer. Last year, Easter was celebrated on April the 12th, and that Sunday was our fifth Sunday in quarantine in this time of pandemic and experiencing virtual worship. Now, when we first announced that we were going to take a brief pause from gathering in person, we said, we announced that it was only going to be for two weeks. That's what we said. <laughs> That's what we thought that it was going to be. There may have been those who knew that it was going to be longer, but we had no idea that on Easter we would be celebrating virtually. We had already been doing it for five Sundays, and churches had already reached out to us inquiring, how is it that you're doing the live stream worship services? And I said, uh, I don't know. Ryan, <laughs> who was only a high school student at the time, who pitched in and helped us become virtual. And I remember in the week leading up to Easter last year, I had heard the news, and some of you might remember hearing this news as well. They were forecasting that that week was going to be a horrible week in our country. This disease was going to impact so many lives that they were forecasting on the news that the week leading up to Easter last year was going to be this generation's Pearl Harbor, this generation's 9-11. And I was beginning to feel the weight of it all upon my shoulders. I remember calling Dr. Grant Wacker, who was my professor when I was at Duke Divinity School over 20 years ago, who taught American Christianity, and we're so blessed to have Dr. Wacker as a part of this congregation. And so now no longer do I have to just call him my professor, I can call him my friend. And so I called my friend who has studied Christianity and his, the history of Christianity for so much of his life, and I asked him how has the church endured such times as this? I was seeking a lesson from history that would give me peace. And sure enough, Dr. Wacker was able to give me reassurance that even through times such as the Great Depression, even through times of global pandemics, even through times of war and great loss, God is still in control. Well, his words gave me much peace as I was preparing for the message of last Easter. Although it still was quite a challenge trying to prepare for that message. Part of it was a challenge because I felt like there was a need to confront the harsh reality of what we were enduring at that moment. And yet to offer the confident reassurance that God is in control. And that ultimately we would regather or remember the body of Christ once again when the appropriate time came. We didn't know when that appropriate time would come. We thought at first, maybe May, maybe June, or God forbid, come September, we'll be back in place. But we knew that there would come a time that we would begin to regather. And I vividly, vividly recall last Easter, 
standing at the same pulpit, wearing this exact same necktie and suit, this robe and this stole. And I remember looking confidently into the camera and saying these exact words. We will not lose faith in the end of the story. We will not doubt that we will get through this. We will prevail. And in the end, these days will be a defining moment in the life of the church that will be remembered for generations to come. I said it so confidently. I thought if I said it with enough confidence that maybe I would accept it and maybe that I would believe it. It's funny because I went back and rewatched that service this week. Oh, that's an awful thing to do sometimes. But I've oftentimes relived it because our staff has teased me about the following words that I added as a part of that message. A year ago, I stood before the camera and I said these words with boldness. There will be a day we will gather together in this place. And what a day of rejoicing it will be. I don't know when that day will be, but I am certain of this. And get this part. This is the part that's embarrassing. Whatever day it is that we will return together, that day will be a day of resurrection. Whether it be May, and this, this gets me, whether it be May or June or even September, that day and Easter. <laughs> I then said, and this is the part they really tease me about, we will sing the Easter song of victory. And that that we are missing today, we will claim on that day the resurrection and victory. Trumpets will resound, a cross will be flowered, eggs will be hunted, and we will raise a hallelujah. That day will be another Easter. And little did I know, little did I know that literally the next time we really begin to regather, it would be Easter. I was trying to write the end of the story. I was trying to name it and claim it. I was trying to to take control and say, we will regather. We're going to be back together. We're going to be one once again. And little did I know, God was the one that was in control, not me. I was trying to say it would be May, June, or September. And little did I know, it'd be April of the next year. Today, we have begun regathering for worship. And sure enough, I love that first anthem that we sang, that, that hymn, which was a joint video project with Orange and two other congregations coming together to help lead us in that time of worship. And not only did we get to sing that hymn of victory, eggs were hunted earlier, and we are raising a hallelujah. And the thing is, I knew that for sure we would have already been doing this months ago. <laughs> Little did I know that today would be the day that we finally come together. So here we are on Easter. And we know what scriptures we look at on Easter Sunday, of course. We look at three. No, that's not what we look at on Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday, we look at the gospel lessons. The stories that tell us about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And each one of those is different in a little bit, in varying ways. But Mark's lesson, which we read today, is really the most unique. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Matthew, Luke, and John all have varying accounts that speak of the resurrected Jesus appearing to someone. 
in Matthew. Matthew's account begins with the Marys encountering an angel who says, He is not here, he is risen. And then Jesus encounters them after they have left the tomb. He tells them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Then we have the disciples going to Galilee, and Jesus gives them the great commission. In Luke, Luke's account is a little bit different than that. The Marys go in, and they see that he's not there. And they encounter two men in dazzling clothes who ask, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. But has risen. Tell Peter and the others. And Peter runs to the tomb and sees the empty grave and the linens lying there. And Luke then gives us the encounter of the resurrected Christ on the road to Emmaus. Jesus appearing to the disciples and ultimately Jesus ascending. Now John's account, once again, as you would understand and expect, is a little bit different. In John's account, Mary goes to the tomb and sees that the stone is rolled away. And so she runs to tell Peter and John that someone has taken him. Peter and John race and make their way to the empty tomb where they look in and see it is as she has said. He is not there. Mary stays outside the tomb. She's weeping, and there she encounters our resurrected Savior. There she encounters him, and she goes after encountering him to announce, I have seen the Lord. And later that day, Jesus appears in the upper room with, to the disciples, except Thomas was not present. And then a week later with Thomas. And then he appears to the disciples who were out fishing, and he's preparing them breakfast. And then we all remember that appearance to Simon Peter. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Feed my sheep. But Mark, Mark's gospel is a little bit different. Because Mark's gospel does not give us an encounter with the resurrected Christ. Mark's gospel leaves us with the mystery of the empty. Somewhere in the late 2nd century or early 3rd century... A scribe who was copying the gospel of Mark added to it the passages that you may see in your own Bibles and involving a resurrected Jesus in Mark's gospel. But the oldest manuscripts that we have does not have that part. The oldest manuscripts that we have simply ends with the mystery of the empty tomb. I want to look through this real quick and let's go through it. Mark. Mark chapter 16 begins like this. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. Right there. They bought the spices because they are writing the end of the story. They anticipate going and finding a body that needs to be anointed. And I love, I really could have started and ended the sermon right here with this verse. How Verse 2, very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. <laughs> you know me, I love puns. <laughs> we could change just one letter. When the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. But it continues that they had been saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? 
See, as they're on their way there, they're writing the end of the story. They know their circumstances, and so now they're writing the end of the story. They forecast that when they get there, this large stone will be there. They didn't know that it had already been rolled away. All they knew was they, in their minds, had written the end of the story, and yet they didn't know that the story was just beginning. In verse 4, it says, When they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had, had already been rolled back. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed, for you are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples that Peter... And Peter, that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. And there you will see him just as he told you. I love this image of them looking in and seeing this young man in a white robe. When we think of white robes, especially in the context of Old Testament scriptures, we think of that color white symbolizing purity. I mean, we think of all of those passages that remind us about how we shall be washed clean and we shall be whiter than snow. Again, in the Old Testament, it gives us this beautiful image of purity. But in the New Testament, the color white begins to take on a different symbolism. The color white in the New Testament begins to symbolize glory. And ultimately, if we even think about in the, the book of Revelation and apocalyptic literature, the color white takes on a new meaning. Victory. The victorious one. And they look into that tomb and they see this young man wearing a white robe. They're looking that the victory has been won. Said that they were astonished and they were amazed. And though... He told them not to be astonished or amazed. I love the way that it, it ends in verse 8. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Well, clearly they said something to somebody, because we have this account, that they eventually had to tell someone. But they're dumbfounded. They don't know what to say. They're terrified. They're amazed. Because they had written the end of the story, and now that story has been changed. They knew what they knew. They knew that on Friday, their Jesus had been crucified. They knew that a crown of thorns had been placed upon his head on Friday. They knew, and they watched as he breathed his last breath and gave up his spirit. They knew that this body had been taken down from the cross and placed in a tomb. And they knew as they sat and they waited that when they went on Sunday, they would still find that body waiting to be anointed. They wrote the end of the story, but the story was just beginning. The Easter hope that I find in that is for us, we may look and try to forecast the end of the story. So many times we may look at our circumstances and go ahead and draw conclusions and write the end of our story, but our story is still being written. God is the one that is in control. We're not the ones that define our future. God ultimately is the one that leads us down that path. And the circumstances you find yourself in right now are not the end of the story. They are merely the beginning. 
And when we put that hope and that trust and lean into the mystery of the empty tomb, we can find that confidence that we find in him. That these are just these moments. As dire as they may feel, as, as horrible as they may seem, the story is still being written. It's such a natural temptation for us to go ahead and write the end of that story. But today I want to remind you that the author of life is still writing. Your story is still being written. And the circumstances you find yourself in right now are not the end of the story, no matter how bleak or dark they may seem. For the God who called Jesus forth from the tomb is the one that's still writing your story. The victory is ours through him. Let us pray. Lord God, today, help us to align our vision with yours. Help us to align our minds and hearts with yours. Instead of us looking at our circumstances, Instead of us just looking at the signs of the, of the moments. Instead of us trying to write the end of the story. Lord, we lean into the mystery that you are the one in control. You are the author of life. And so we place with hope and trust all of our lives, all of our being into your hands. Today, Lord, we surrender it all to you. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our great victor, and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.